Okay, hello and welcome everybody to Conversations in Music with Daz and Dave. Um, we're available to listen to on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. And we aim to bring you music, music chat and a bit of general chat on a regular basis. Drop us a message on our Daz and Dave Facebook page, that's Daz with two Zs, and let us know what you think about it. Um, today, we're extremely lucky to have singer-songwriter Sarah Yeo virtually connecting with us. Um, we're blessed that she's also going to perform for you shortly, which is a first for us. Uh, hi, Sarah. How are you? Hello. I'm fine. Thank you. I'm actually, I feel quite good, actually, because of all this time off. I'm refreshed. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, because we are still in lockdown. So, yeah. Uh, hi, David. Hello, Darren. Hello, Sarah. And it's good to be back. I'm very much looking forward to this episode. Excellent. Good, good. So just a little, um, before we get going, a little intro for um, Sarah, who's been... Well, she'll tell us in a minute, I'm sure, how long she's been singer-songwriting. Oh, I'm not going to give that away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's only a couple of years, surely. Oh, yeah, just a few years. <laughs> but I was looking, I had a sneaky look at some of Sarah's um, press reports. And I've read things such as, Sarah has such a beautiful tone to her voice. And these songs are brilliantly written and produced. There's got to be a hit there. A beautiful album, sublime vocals and great songs. This album needs to be heard. Can you tell us more about the album, surely? And that you ooze pure talent by the bucket load. Oh, makes wow. me sound quite good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because you are. I've seen you play a couple of times. Oh, thank you. You've been very supportive. Um, come and watch me quite a few times. So thanks for that. Really uh, appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So, David, do you want to sort of get things rolling with the interview or the chat, should we say? When you mentioned reports there, Darren, I thought you were talking about school reports. Yeah, I know. I was getting nervous then, thinking, oh, what do they say about me at school? <laughs> at the beginning of our conversations, we like to ask our guests of their first memories of music and perhaps what kind of songs that they would have heard. Um, well, I'd say I started playing music long before I started being a music fan, really. Um, I went to guitar lessons at a very young age. I wanted a guitar for Christmas. I actually wanted drums, but... Um, I didn't think my dad would let me have drums, so uh, <laughs> he doesn't like a lot of noise. So I thought, oh, I'm safe with the guitar. And I, there was a teacher that I really liked, and she played the guitar. So it's kind of a little bit, kind of, you know, when you when you're a fan of your teacher, you kind of want to do what they do. So I had the guitar and started learning from about age seven, really. So it's it's a lot. I started going to lessons, and they taught you songs. So you just kind of learned a song, played it, and sang it. So it wasn't technical music reading lessons it was more just playing chords and learning chords and singing songs so that was my first experience with it um became a music fan a lot later on in life really i i, I entered talent competitions first of all in my career that was what first what got me into into playing live really was that was the talent shows that was a long time ago now but um but yeah that that's the first kind of experience of playing music but listening to music was mum always played music in the house just pop music really on the radio so we were influenced by by many different pop songs really and I think I still am to, the, to today you know I like to keep up with the current current chart and stuff so um so yeah and my nan she liked country music so I think I get my love of country from my nan really you know, John Denver Eagles and and all those kind of acts and indeed those are the songs we first played in the talent shows <laughs> Uh, so, I was just going to ask you that. Excellent. Yeah, so it, it was good, really good ground, and we were probably playing mature songs for little, little tiny kids, really. But, but they were good songs to play, good songs to start with. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to start anywhere. Start with the Eagles. So, what kinds of songs did you choose to play in those days? In those days, just based on my guitar lessons, really, um, we learned a lot of because our teachers were sort of mature ladies, and they they liked kind of. Beatles and um, all the folk stuff like um, the what they called the new the new seekers and things like that so it was all like pop folk country type of stuff that we used to play so um, we didn't get much of a choice what we learned we just we just went up to the lessons and learned the songs as they as they produced the new the new sheets of paper for us we 
kind of just learnt them, really. Can you remember any of those songs? Would you be able to play them today? Oh, what, the old ones? Oh no, I wouldn't. I, I forget very easily. I, once I learn, I learn a few new songs, and then it bumps, it bumps the other ones out the other side. So kind of my memory for them. I mean, if I sat down now, I probably would be able to roughly be able to do them. But um, now my, my brain doesn't really work very well like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, when I hear them on the radio, I think, oh, that's one of the old ones I used to learn on the guitar. So it's still in the memory somewhere. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what kind of age you were when you decided you wanted to perform for a career, as a career? I don't think at anything at any time that I decided I was going to do it, I just did it. I mean, it was just it was just an extension of the talent shows. You kind of work your way up the talent shows, and you know, from an early age, and do the juniors, and then you go to the adults. And then um, I started, you know, winning a lot of the bigger adult competitions, and then all the agents in the area are at these mm. events. So then they take you. Then they come and introduce themselves and then they take you under their wing and you end up working. It's just kind of, it's not a thing you decide. It's just. No, very organic. Kind of, yeah, it just, it just rolled on like that really. And then I was, I was um, professionally playing from like the age of 15, 16, you know, out in festival, started off in the, um, the army bases, which was very scary. That was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these like. <laughs> Oh, these big posh dinners and, you know, you're only quite young and it's, it's not really a good place to start, really. But anyway, that's how it that's how it did start. And uh, how did you as a teenager manage to pick an agent? Yeah, you don't really pick the agents. So they just kind of happen. And one of the local agencies, um, two of the local agencies, Van Allen Management and Trevor George, they both kind of showed an interest and uh, gave me some work very early on. So, you know, you, it's very hard to pick and choose what you do. It kind of just comes to you. Well, it did in my case anyway. You just end up doing the jobs that come in. And I suppose if you really don't want to do them, you just say, don't send me to that place again. But, you know, you don't really do that. Because <laughs> you don't put anyone's nose out of joint. But, no. um, but yeah, it's it it very, very um, organic, like Darren said. You know, just it just flowed. And I, and I don't, I still to this day, don't know whether it's what I would choose. It's just, it's just what I do mm. perform, you know, and... I've always done it, even if I've trained for other professions and other jobs, and, and I've always done it alongside those. So it's always been there. And has it always been the kind of the country genre? Or have you ever sort of dabbled in anything other? Oh, no, I've done loads of other stuff. I mean, um, yeah, to be to work in the pubs and clubs circuits, especially like in years gone by, um, you have to do the thing that's drummed into you straight away is you have to do a variation. You have to do across the board of everything. So, you know, mm. something for everybody. So you, you you learn, you know, from the 60s up to present day, really, just, just general pop and just songs that people know. And people just want to hear stuff they know when they're out on a night out. They don't, they don't want to hear. I mean, especially even 10, 20 years ago, country was really not well liked in the UK. So it's only just now that it's becoming quite fashionable to to like it again in the UK. So um, I was completely out of my, you know, I loved country right from the word go, but most of the audiences really didn't. So I had to diverse into the other, into the other genres, which is fine because I, I suit a lot of genres to sing. It's just that it's not what I would choose to my, my personal preference. Oh, okay. But I do, I mean, I love the 90s dance stuff. I'd be quite happy singing 90s dance. You know, I like that kind of era and, you know, just pop stuff. But but as a general career, I think, you know, my voice suits country is yeah. the best fit, really. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned about there the sort of re recent resurgence of country music over the last few decades. Do you think that's been down to any artists in particular? Um, I mean, the UK, I mean, the Shires have really brought, they've, only the last 10 years, really, the shires have been been high up there in the charts and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know, because it's still really American-dominated. So there's a lot of American acts that are doing really well over here. But it's um, it's the, U the UK acts that are still not breaking through as much as you'd hope. But um, I don't know, really, why. I mean, line dancing played a big part, but that's it's still seen as a separate country scene, the line dancing scene. It's like... You know, there's a this group of people here that love country line dancing, and there's people group group of people here that like going to country rock concerts and things. So it's like not the same scene, really. It's two yeah. completely different things. I think one of the changes may have to do with the arrival of the internet and the uh, 
possibility then for people to be able to listen to their own chosen music, whatever genre that would be. So people could start delving into country, country and Western, uh, and all of the other genres, of course. For a long while, I think that people were really restricted to hearing country through a show at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night on Radio 2. No, that's right. I mean, um, and Bob Harris has done done wonders for for the country scene, but um, no, you couldn't really hear a lot on the on the radio. You know, if that's all you had was the radio in those days, you couldn't. It wasn't really played that much. But you're right. Nowadays, you can just go on Spotify, and it's just all there for you. But I think you know people aren't going to listen to it unless it's already being played in some other way, like you know, because they don't discover it by accident. It's something you you look for, really. So. You know, it's it's just keeping out there and in, in the mainstream, just trying to get it into the main more than more than stuck on the back the back shelf. I think I just while we were chatting, it reminded me of my sort of earliest experience really of country music. I got introduced to um No Fences, was it called? By Garth Brooks. Oh yeah, yeah. Going back lo- probably twenty five years ago or something, but yeah. I love I, Garth Brooks. Yeah, I remember one of my favourites. Good album. I've not. I don't think I've heard that album in the entirety because I think I just, I just had a greatest hits album. It's a double album that I just played constantly in all the car journeys, like to gigs. Just played Garth Brooks constantly, and I'm, I'm I haven't yet brought all the full albums. I've bought the later ones, um, in the last ten years, but not the ones before that. Oh, there you go. I can recommend No Fences. Yeah, yeah. I must. I must. I'm, there's so many artists though that I want to go dig deeper. You know, I just there's not enough time to listen to all this music. It's such a shame. All not right. enough hours in the day. Who in particular? Who would you like to delve deeper into and hear a bit more of? Um. Well, I was recommended because I love the Eagles, but um, I got told off by, <laughs> um, by not told off, but you just um, because I love them so much. He was so surprised that I hadn't heard the the earlier albums in their in their entirety, and um, so I'd probably go go back into the Eagles and just just hear the whole albums because um, Nigel Tant he works for Exmouth Air, and um, he said you haven't really you know experienced the whole of the Eagles unless you've heard all their albums. So I think I would do that first. Because yeah. you know, loving the Eagles so much, anyway. David, you got all those, have you? All the Eagles albums? I had a couple of their first albums, and of course, I've got Hotel California, which I've had since my teenage years. All oh, right, you see, I might not have heard all the the stuff that that changed. I've, I've only heard that the classic Eagles sound, as it were. But um, my favourite of theirs is actually the Long Road Out of Eden. I love that double album. Okay. Um, that was that was their most one of the most recent albums i think it was their second to last one they did but that this amazing album do you get a chance to listen to any newer releases from other bands i know just, and at the moment there's so much live stuff going on everywhere and everyone's doing live shows and things i'm just not listening to recorded stuff as much as i used to i'm just finding it's just it, the time to actually sit down and listen to someone's album i've, I've bought so many albums and I, i'm just really wanted to sit down and listen to them really but there's so much other stuff going on. We're kind of bombarded at the moment by, by everything that's going on on Facebook and things. So, um, it's yeah, things are changing in that way. I can feel as well that more people will be listening to live streams than they are listening to, to kind of records. Yeah, it's interesting. Sarah, I don't know if you've ever heard of a Jonathan Brook. No, I don't. I used to work with this guy who then relocated down to Bristol. And as a as a side project, he used to bring in artists from from the states, and he used to bring this Jonathan Brook over. And I remember one time hearing her performing, and I think it was at St George's Church in Bristol, and it was just a fantastic experience. You know, hearing one person with a guitar with a great voice and just taking it all in. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, in a church because everyone else gets the lovely acoustics of you, but you don't hear that. You know, you're just hearing your voice in a very small way in front of you that you're singing. You don't hear that acoustic because I've sung in quite a few churches and it's uh, everyone else says, oh, what lovely acoustics. But I still need that PA to to hear myself in a right in the right way. Mm. It's, a, it's a funny one. So how do you feel when you start singing and playing your own songs, the ones that you've written? Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm a late bloomer in most things in my life. Um, and um, songwriting is another one. I didn't come to songwriting till my 20s. And um, 
and I, first of all, the songs were quite bad. They weren't really uh, playable. But <laughs> eventually I came together with a kind of an, an hour's worth of stuff that I thought, mm, you know, it's sounding all right. Maybe I'll just give it a go. And just it's, it's nerve wracking, though, doing that first gig with your own material. I, was, I don't get nervous, really. And I was, sh- I was shaking. And um, but it's well received. And you think, why did I worry about it all that time? You know, I should have just got out there a lot sooner and played my own stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, things things happen as they are. But if I could do it all over again, I would definitely definitely start the songwriting a lot sooner than I did um but I suppose you know you do things when you're ready to do them and I obviously wasn't ready to to start before that you know so so I think I'm hearing you say that it's about having the confidence to play your own material yeah I mean I've I've always been a very shy person in in sort of say off stage but on stage I'm surprisingly confident you know, I always have been singing, you know, with singing the covers and that. But it's it's going back to the shyness again with singing your own songs because it's a lot of it is about your own life. So you feel quite shy about about putting it out there because it's your it's like your diary on full on full show. So you know the sh- the old shyness thing comes back back into play again. Um, so yeah, it's a funny one really. It's a funny little uh, dynamic between yourself and and getting yourself out there because. You know, I can promote somebody else to, to the cows come home. You know, if I think they're good, I'll, I'll promote them. But try and promote yourself and put yourself out there is a completely different thing. Yeah. So is that where, would you say that's where most of your inspiration for songwriting comes from, from your own life? Or do you ever sit down and think, right, I'm going to write a song about something completely unrelated? I do now. Yeah, I can quite easily do that now. But in the, in the first, the early stages, it was usually about other people's problems and life, really. Um, maybe that was just the shyness, you know, not wanting to write about my own things. But eventually I did start to write about my own feelings and that sort of, you know, especially if you're going through a breakup or something, it just, it just comes out in a song. Um, but nowadays I'm, I'm pretty settled and I'm, I'm happy. I've got a lovely relationship. So it's not really that many problems to write about. So <laughs> you find yourself kind of just <laughs> trying to, trying to think to other things and other inspirations for your, for your songs, you know, and it's, uh, it's funny where they come from sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe this, your, your partner's a musician as well. Is that right? Do you? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's a very, very talented, um, multi instrumentalist. So yeah, he's been very helpful in, in, playing live with me you know for a few of the gigs but he, his main instrument is the sax and um unfortunately the sax doesn't really go together with country music as a rule so nope. <laughs> <laughs> i've had to make him learn he's learned the bass and he's learned um the cajon well not learned the cajon, but he just, we, he just made a cajon to play um along with me and uh, the harmonica so you know <laughs> everything apart from the saxophone really <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think now what a cajon is Remind me. What's oh, that? One of, uh, it's a box drum. Oh, so yeah. You, you sit on the drum and then you kind of just... Oh, 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 that's right. You've got the strings inside that make it like a snare. So, yeah, he made that. And um, so, yeah, he's been resourceful and um, willing to learn new stuff. So, yeah, it's been good. Because yeah. he's got his own career as well, you, you know, so he doesn't want to be full-time with me. So it's kind of... Um, I'm lucky to get him when I can, really. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> I seem to remember you playing with another guitarist. Is he still involved in any way? Um, no, I've got no guitarist at the moment. Um, that was a long time ago. That actually, because some of the videos are still on there, but no, I don't um, don't have a guitarist anymore. I've just we actually we this year we were due to do some uh, festivals with a band, and I was gonna it was just gonna be a very small band myself, Dave on bass, my partner Dave on bass, and um, very talented keyboard player Helen. She was on harmonies as well, and um, Matt, the drummer, who um, He's Matt Butlin. He's a brilliant drummer. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be the four of us. It was, a, it was a very kind of compact little outfit, but um, I thought I thought that was probably best to go to go small rather than to go big again like I did last time because for expense purposes, you know, you can't afford to pay everybody the fees, you know, and you know, you're already doing these things for free a lot of the time. So if you still got to then pay out for the, for the instrument, instrumentalist then it's becomes a very expensive game i sometimes find myself wondering when i'm watching a large band on a stage whether it's at a gig or a festival when there might be six seven or more people in the band is how can they be affording to do this it must be just for the love of it because it wouldn't be for the actual money they'd be taking home individually 
Exactly. I mean, people have been so good in the past and they've done things for free for me and that, which I'm so grateful for. But if you're going to book, book something and book a festival, you need to be able to have the funds to you know that they're busy people as well. You can't expect them to do, you know, to do things for free. It's not fair. You know, it's their time. And then, you know, and they, they would else they would otherwise be out working in other bands or other projects. So you can't be you can't be asking them for do it to do it for nothing. So what is the transition like when you suddenly find yourself then go into a recording studio, you have a producer, I mean, do they influence you? Do you learn things from them? Um, how does it work? Because I think that you did work with Richard Digby Smith. Um, well, the first time I went to get my songs recorded was 2013-14 and uh, I had some songs that I really thought I'd like to get recorded, but I couldn't find a producer anywhere because the West Country is quite... You know, it was back then. I don't know. I think there's a few more people now that do it from home. You know, it's a bit more of a, an industry. But um, but somebody recommended me to Digby and um, it worked out really well because he um, he's such a clever guy. And uh, so, yeah, it was just him, really. Uh, the first CD was just him and his gadgets. And, uh, you know, he did he programmed the drums and he did all that and everything as well. Um, and we I think we got in the guitarist to, to play to play to give it that you know because really you can't replicate there's certain things you can't replicate and you know electric guitar is not is one of them really so um yeah we kind of got that and uh but the second time round was was all live we you know we played it with all live musicians so you know that's how it's evolved now now i really like to go all live if i can because it just sounds so much better obviously now it's financial as well but uh you know it's just going to take a long time to get my next albums out there now it's um no it's just how it is but that's how it i mean i'm gonna have to learn all this stuff on my on my computer and try and self-produce now because uh, i think that's the only way the future if we're going to be stuck in this rut for you know at least a couple of years maybe then i'm gonna have to kind of learn to to do it myself i think which will be interesting i'm not really technically minded so (laughs) no and I guess the industry, even if we put aside things like the coronavirus now, it's quite a tough industry anyway. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you have to do really you have to do the covers gigs to to be, to be able to afford yourself to do your songwriting stuff as well. So if you're going to be a musician, you have to do the covers gigs alongside it, you know, to pay for it, really. So. That's, I mean, if people are just doing the singer-songwriting, they would, they would have another job. They would, you know, they wouldn't really be able to afford to live on being a singer-songwriter. Not really, not unless you have gained that popularity, mm. you know. But generally speaking, you know, unless you live at home and you can just go out and do the odd gig for 50 quid, which is, you know, sometimes what they pay for the singer-songwriter stuff, then, you know. But it doesn't work as a career, not really. Not unless you're doing something else along the side of it. No. No, it's tough. You can't get a few days shopping for 50 quid these days. No, you can't, can you? (laughs) (laughs) Mad. If I remember correctly, last year you started teaming up with some other artists and performing um, as as three separate acts, but on the same bill. How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, last year we had um, some songwriters rounds and with Greg Hancock, another local singer-songwriter. That was a live gig, you know, obviously in, in the three of us and we did you know, a couple of songs each and told some stories and stuff. But yeah, the one that we've, I mean, I just met these other acts online, really, just from having conversations with them. And then we decided to put together a little songwriters collective. So we're doing that now every Sunday. And um, the first one went quite well. So it's nice because this has given me opportunity, actually, to to meet people. I know it's virtually, but, you know, (laughs) you feel like you're meeting them, even if it's just on the screen. Um but it's given me the opportunity to do that now, which is it's really good because I probably wouldn't have done it if this hadn't happened. So um, it's given me all new, completely new opportunities to go down now, you know, mm. which so I see every 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 negative thing as a positive little, you know, thing come out of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like you said, we've recorded um, another podcast, which will probably be going out next week with um, the organiser of a local festival, Glastonbury. Oh, brilliant. We kind of, I think David and myself had both known of her, but never yeah. really her. And like you say, just connecting virtually, we feel like we know her, I think, David and I, don't we? 
that was a great conversation that we had with her and just to hear someone who's so enthusiastic uh, about music about bringing local acts together putting them on somewhere that um, people can can watch on in a friendly environment and she puts on a special weekend that really becomes an important weekend for me at least for for the year that's right i mean she's she's great she's had me on her festival i think three times now and um wonderful festival um really good and uh she works so hard and i just feel so sorry for her this year i know we've all missed out on things but if you're planning a big event like that you know you must oh it just takes such a lot out of you and to lose it just like that must be must be awful for her but um but yeah, she's she's a lovely lady, and she's she's so supportive of local acts. She's brilliant. A couple of weeks ago, we had a friend on who's a guitarist in a band, and asked him the question: Do you prefer to be the support band and play in a big venue, or to be uh, the the main lead, but in a smaller venue? No, I, yeah, sometimes I've been a support artist, or I have people supporting me, or it just works. Sometimes you, you know, the the person that's more pop or sold more records or had more streams they're more more popular so you kind of end up supporting people which is great I mean I, I'm quite happy I'd love to be supporting like the big mainstream people yeah, I'd be quite happy in a support slot I don't need to be the main act you know but as long as you you're meeting new people and you're playing to new to new to new uh, audiences that's all that matters really if my dream kind of scenario would be would be to, to headline but smaller theatres you know, just small, nice, intimate places with, you know, a thousand seaters. Just um, that would be my kind of ideal way of gigging would be to, to, to work my way up to that, really, to, to be able to, to, sell, to, sell, to sell out small theatres and things mm. like that. Just thinking back to last year, Sarah, did you manage to catch Keith Sutherland when he was touring? No, no, my mum was there. Um, I, she found one ticket. There was one going at the last minute and she got in, but I was working, unfortunately, so I couldn't go. Yeah, she said it was brilliant. Yeah. I couldn't get tickets. <laughs> oh, couldn't you? Yeah, it was only because there was one available and she she was able to go, I think. You know, I don't think there would have been two two available. No. So, um, but yeah, she was lucky. She, she said it was fantastic. But I mean, going to live music is you can't beat it. And I, I think actually, I mean, if I had to choose, I would, I would choose going to watch music rather than doing it myself. I, I, I love, experience, <laughs> I love experiencing, yeah. you know, hearing people sing live and stuff. It's just, you know, that is my. I'm such a music fan, you know. So who have you seen then? Can you name just name drop a few that you've seen and who have been your kind of biggest? Who have you been? I mean, I often talk about my favourite favorite gigs and i think the eagles was my favorite gig i think i kind of whittled it down in birmingham saw them um yeah. i i always love show of hands they're one of my favorites and we always go to support them um amos lee he's another one of my favorites and seen him a couple of times yeah. um jason isbell um he was fantastic glenn hansard i kind of i usually prefer the male voices if i'm honest yeah. um I tend to gravitate more towards male, but in the country genre, funnily enough, I do like a lot of, of the female artists. Um, like Ashley McBride, I, I've seen her a couple of times. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many. I mean, if I could just be a professional gig watcher, that would be a brilliant job, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have you seen Ben Hansard? Have you? Yeah, yeah, saw like, him. Is it falling slowly? The song that was from yeah musical once i love that song i know i listened to it <laughs> hundreds of times it's just it was all just on replay just in my is in fact that's going to be one of my um recommendations on facebook this week my my top 10 albums is the once album because that that just is yeah. brilliant and yeah. uh but he's gone a bit wayward and i'm not quite so keen on his latest album but i liked yeah. a few is a few of his a few of his ones along the way but this one is uh Oh, I'm going to take a bit to get used to this one. Okay. Oh, I was yeah. lucky to see the musical when it was on up in London. And it yeah. Had Rory from Doctor Who was playing uh, his part, I believe. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forget his name. What's he called? Um, yeah. But fantastic musical there. Oh, really. yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, we, we saw it in London. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's surprisingly good because you you would think that it wouldn't translate from the film. Mm. Onto, onto the stage because it's a very small film isn't it it's, yeah. it's kind of 
it's not big production so but it's amazingly it, it really did translate well oh arthur darvel it's just come to me the actor's called arthur darvel and <laughs> <laughs> none the wiser <laughs> no. i do remember that i bought the one cd in a small secondhand record shop in dublin um, not far off grafton street and as I handed over my merchandise over to the uh, the guy behind the till and he had a mate with him and when he flicked over that particular CD, he looked over at his mate and he goes, that Hansard, wasn't he an arse? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever come across him in your travels? I'm not saying I know him inside out, but I um, we actually, when we went to London, we, we got out of, I think it was playing at the Hammersmith um, Apollo, I think, and we got out of the Hammersmith tube station. He was stood right there. And uh, we, just, I just said, are you Glenn Hansard? Oh, I'd be really like cheeky. Are you Glenn Hansard, like like a little kid again. And um, <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, I said, oh, we're going to watch you tonight. My mum is was so cheeky. She said, don't need anyone to sing Falling Slowly with you, do you? <laughs> 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 and he's, I know she just, she said, tell your mum she's got to keep trying, keep trying. And so she used praise on my mum for like for going for it and just getting in there but um <laughs> but yeah but i had my cd and he signed it so i was chuffed with that excellent wow looking at the names of some of the other artists that i know you've uh, taken influence from um one of them is jason isabel yeah who i think actually does quite a lot of performing and maybe some writing with father john misty oh really i don't know what else he writes but I'm, you know he's a prolific songwriter so I think but yeah to him david didn't you was that one of the ones you talked to me about at a record store day once darren yeah i remember now it was a couple of years ago uh, we were queuing as usual quite early in the morning we were somewhere like 20 25th in the queue and there was a guy behind us who'd come all the way up from plymouth and when we started speaking to him he was saying that there was only one song he or sorry one album that he was coming to to buy and that was the john isabel release for that particular record store day so when the doors opened and we eventually got inside, I'd, I'd heard a whisper, but I actually discovered they only had one copy of that vinyl. Oh, no. So I managed to get hold of it and I actually passed it to this guy so that he at least didn't have a wasted trip. Oh, that's generous. A bit of a chance. But there was a good end to that story because thankfully I have a, another friend who had access to other shops um, further up country and he went and he picked up one of those and then he duly sent it on to me which is very good of dear alan oh that's all right you ended up getting it that's fine i just downloaded his well it's it's it's, drib it's dribbling through his new album is kind of coming through like they tend to do it these days you you, you do a pre-order or I, I i use itunes but they you pre-order it and then you get a song you know at a time you know and i don't like it that way i like to get the album and listen to it from top to bottom you know i don't like these dribs and drabs of songs i just you know so i'm just still waiting for the whole album to come into my itunes and then i'll listen to it then <laughs> as a whole i always get worried that you might end up listening to it in the wrong order not i know me too and, yeah yeah but people don't download albums anymore they just allow download one odd song don't they now so yeah. you know pe people don't listen to that in the same way as they used to uh, it just means a generational thing. You know, people are just quite happy to listen to one song and they won't listen to the full album. No, no. Which We're is strange to me. <laughs> Pardon, Darren? We're all about the record. Oh, That's yes. We're going to publicise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, I was going to ask as well, actually, we talked a little bit about your music. You said when you started off, you had like an hour of stuff and you went out and played it. Um, what's that translated to now? You've got a couple of albums of you now, is that right? Or uh, I've got three three records uh, two eps and one album um just the way it's gone really with uh, my intention would be to to do full albums but they don't you know you can't always get to that you know it's just financial reasons and things so so yeah i've got three records out there um and there's there's at least another three albums waiting to be recorded you know of stuff that of stuff that i play on a regular basis that hasn't been recorded yet so it's frustrating you know this is why i think i need to learn to do it myself so i can at least i can get it out there then you know and it's done finished with it's out there it's it's out off my mind and i'm not thinking about it anymore and then i can feel a bit freer to then write more stuff which is you know well I, I, and i've been writing like crazy but 
I think, where are all these songs going to go? Where, where are they going to end up? If I, I just keep writing them, that you know, I can't physically record all these songs. So, mm. but it, they just come along. I can't help it. They just, you know, I, my brain's always on, always ticking over. Yeah, writing songs. Yeah, that's right. So I can't really stop it. But sometimes I think, what's the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So we could see some new material soon, or hear some new material. Soon? Um, yeah, that there's something. Well, it won't be soon, unfortunately, but. Um, it was stuck going to be going ahead anytime now, but um, it'll be very slow. It might get started now, but mm. it will be a couple of years before it gets finished, I would imagine, at the moment, because uh, I want it properly done. So it's yeah. going to be, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. But anyway, we've got to just live with it and uh, just carry on doing the live stuff for now and just, just yeah. get, out, get out there in that way and just uh, do what you can. Excellent. So, Sarah, I think you might have a song for us as a treat today, uh, which would be the first time we've ever had a song played live on one of our podcasts. Well, I can do. I've got the guitar here, and um, I just—it's just the part bit. It's deciding what song to do. Oh, look at that! What are you thinking? Have you got a bit of a choice? Um, well, I had—I have got a choice, but the problem is, it's just going in cold singing one song. You have to really do something that's kind of quite easy. Not easy, but like kind to the voice yeah okay. i was thinking i would do maybe a song that my most recent song which is written um you know during the during this lockdown and uh so i thought that would be quite interesting to do something that was you know recently on my mind yeah and i thought um when everyone's saying about how long it's going to be until we get back to normal i was just thinking of all the things that um I've I've been missing, you know, and uh, one of those is is travel. I just love to travel, and mm. um, it's not going to happen, is it? So, <laughs> and uh, so uh, there's a certain place that I really miss, and um, I've got a family over there, and uh, so this is about that. Lovely, thank you. If I close my eyes, I taste the morning I conjure up the summer subway breeze Just a little longer and I'm under I float between the rhythms of the streets Manhattan's found its way inside of me If I close my eyes, a tear may fall down It belongs here on the pavements where I stand May that tear just settle there forever A part of me connected to that ground If you're looking for me, that's where I'll be found away I can feel you I can feel you one day I'll cross the ocean again and you'll see it on my face I'm in my place I think I left heart there in that city the slightest talk and I just overflow if I ever get to say how much I missed you don't think I could leave again and let you go somehow you always feel like home if I I can feel you I can feel you One day I'll cross the ocean again And you'll see it on my face I'm in my place Oh, yeah 
and you'll see it on my face I'm in my place I'm in my place there we go <laughs> that was fantastic thank you ever so much Sarah that's okay. I think it's a work in progress. I still need to work on it a bit more. But um, I was uh, I had a little tear when I thought about uh, not being able to go to over to New York again very soon. So um, that just came out of that, really. Sorry, I was just saying. I forgot I muted myself in case. You <laughs> and I was just saying, what an amazing tune it was. <laughs> oh, thank you. I said, if that's going in cold. <laughs> that I'm amazed. Yeah, a little hit, few hitches in there, but um, yeah, it's surprising. You got. I was warming up earlier, but um, it's still. It's, sometimes it just doesn't quite get cleared for a couple songs in. You know, you got to. <laughs> yeah, no, that was lovely, wonderful. Thank you. Talking about warming your throat up, my daughter convinces me, or tries to convince me at least, that she needs to have a whiskey before she sings any songs. Oh no. I went through a phase of that. I went through a phase thinking it, thinking that port was going to, um, going to lubricate my throat, but it just makes it worse. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so was that is that a fairly newly written song? That one? Yeah, that was only written uh, last week. Oh wow, very fresh. Yeah, because so I was sitting outside and I saw a plane go over, and I thought. You know, they've been telling us that we're not we're not going to be allowed to travel for a while, and uh, just missing the place because I, I I just some places you go in the world, aren't there, that you just feel connected to, and uh, and New York City has just always been one of those places. I just I just feel like home when I'm there. So the song just came about me feeling a little bit upset that I won't be able to go back for a while. Yeah, hopefully not too long. Yeah, not too long. <laughs> well, so we're honoured then. So this could be quite an exclusive when this goes. Well, out. that wasn't exclusive. But yeah, I, I, I haven't played that for anyone yet. So. And does this song have a title yet? If I close my eyes, I think that's what I'm going to call it. Oh, we've just got the official naming now as well. I think so. Yeah, it's, it's, I sometimes do change songs, and but but the most natural one to me is if I close my eyes. I think. Yeah. Nice. I certainly did while you were playing. I oh, did you? Yeah, I just drifted off and listened, and it's yeah, beautiful. I heard a little bit of a delay going on, uh, like almost like I could hear your end was I was singing, kind of thing. I could hear like a, a slight echo. No, it sounded absolutely great, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you very much. Wow, that's quite I, all right. So, I, we were going to ask you at this point, I guess, where people can see you, but at the moment. We, we don't know, do we? I would have been listing the festivals, a dark music festival lined up and all sorts um, with the band. You know, it would have been fantastic. Um, and Sarah Sarah Jewelry was going to play live with us at Exmouth Festival. And it was going to be brilliant. But but now it's just um, Sunday afternoons, three o'clock. I'm on with um, the Songs and Stories Collective. Um, that's every week we're gonna we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to write songs together and all oh, lots of nice things. And uh I've got a, I don't know when this goes out actually, but I've got a live show on Tuesday. Um, I'm not going to do too many of those because uh, just, you know, sporadically I'll do a live show, but not too many. Yeah, you did one a week or so ago, didn't you, on Facebook, was that right? Yeah, Tuesday just gone. It was, yeah, it's good, but I, I just feel like sometimes you can overdo something. So I'm not going to do too many of them. Just no. uh, just do odd ones now and then. But yeah, I've got, got part two of that next Tuesday, so. Oh, good. I only caught the end of it. So oh, I'll, did you? What's the rest? I'll watch part two on next Part Tuesday. two is going to be a bit different. I'm going to use backing tracks that I, you know, the instrumentals to my albums, you know, so I'm using all the instruments that were played live and stuff, but just something a bit different because there's so many just voices and guitars just sat there. So I thought I'd, do, <laughs> I'd let you hear what the albums actually sound like, you know, with me singing live to them. So Yeah, superb. Excellent. Okay, so David, anything else you wanted to ask or are we moving on to the final section? No, that's it. Thank you very much, Darren. Um, this is where we move into the Hollywood collection section. I think we prepared you for this. Um, it's the part of the podcast where we ask our guests to recommend an album 
to be added to the uh, Mark Hollywood vinyl collection. So Mark is a, a friend of ours who is starting to build up a, a new record collection and he's looking for any ideas and recommendations. We're trying to get him up to 100 good albums to kickstart his music collection. Well, that is the hardest question that you're ever going to ask someone, isn't it? That's why we are. Yeah, I've gone for a quite recent one um, because I first saw this guy sing at CTC, the country the country festival in London. And um, then I saw him at Glastonbury last year and um, just amazing. And his name is Lucas Nelson. He is the son of Willie Nelson. Oh. Um, and this was the first album I bought from him. And it was just and there's one line in one of the songs that just kills me. It's just the best line I've ever heard. <laughs> so for that reason, for that one line in, in the one song, I've picked Lucas Nelson and Promise of the Real self-titled album. What year was this from? 2017. Okay. And that's their band, Promise of the Real. They're actually the, the live band that accompanies Neil Young these days, awesome. Promise of the Real. So they go out on tour with Neil Young, but they also are a band with uh, Lucas Nelson as well. So that's my recommendation. I think that Mark is going to really love this selection. He provided a list a couple of weeks ago, uh, a short list of various albums thinking about adding to his collection. And amongst those 40 which he'd listed was a Willie Nelson album. Oh, Willie one. All right. Well, yeah, you, you can hear a younger version. Well, he's still with us. He is. Is he? He's still making albums. He's made like so many in the last couple of years. Oh, wow. Are yeah, they... he loves it. What do you think of those? Are they good? I've not listened to the albums. I've listened to Odd Songs, courtesy of Bob Harris and other yeah. presenters. But um, yeah, still, I mean, still doing it. He's, he's duetting on a lot of things. He's, he's sort of you know featuring willie nelson kind of thing so yeah. he seems to be on a lot of people's different albums so he's still out there and he's still loving it but obviously he's not quite got the voice he used to have because he's in his 80s you know it's a bit mm. bit shaky but he's still writing great songs fantastic excellent well i think we're there so thank you very very much thank you so much for having me on it's been That's such a pleasure right. Yeah, it really has. And we'll get this out as soon as possible and let you know. Yeah, please. Yeah, let me know and I'll publicise it and uh, get it out there. Absolutely. When, when Sarah can gig again, let's all go out and watch Sarah Yo. <laughs> I would hope so. I'd love to see you there. Yeah, thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you very much, Sarah. Cheers, guys. Thanks, thank you. Bye.